in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment of the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news first story today is from front office sports and it's about Jeff Bezos and his interest in owning an NFL team, specifically the Washington football team. If you remember last year, some of the minority owners in Washington basically tried to get Dan Snyder out. They kind of tried to uh, embarrass him to get him to sell or be forced to sell and ultimately led to them selling and Dan Snyder owning the entire team. Uh, but during that process... Jeff Bezos's lawyer was talking to Jeff Bezos and basically said to keep an eye on the Washington football team that there's a chance that he could be able to buy that team. Uh, so you think Jeff Bezos is going to own an NFL team in the future? Uh, he's got the money. So yeah, that's usually the number one thing. Can you can you afford it? Do you have the capital? So I guess I wouldn't be surprised. He's involved in some... Uh some lawsuits that uh, don't paint him in the greatest picture. So maybe that would have to do anything in terms of the vetting. Although we've gone through some vetting here recently, where I know how much they vet people. Um, but yeah, other than, again, he's, he's involved in some stuff um, that links him to some bad people that he's having to get through in court. So probably not. I mean, obviously there's only 32 of them and there's a lot more people than 32, uh, uh, you know, um, money people that would have enough money to own an nfl team so the odds would say no but it's interesting that he had interest in it obviously he has a, obviously he you know is interested enough into it where his people made inquiries of it so you never know and the other thing is i mean how many teams are for sale often yeah I, I, you know I, they, these things aren't you know every other day we're talking about an nfl team being sold so um i don't know if this is the league he could get into if it's just a sports interest i don't know if he has a sports interest or football interest i'm yeah i'm sure there's leagues he could buy into I'm curious if he would be involved in a potential ownership group for a Seattle NBA team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Again, I is he just a football fan or is he just like, you know, yeah. um, Foley that wanted to own a team and had the capital and the money and bought a team and it's completely worked out for him and he's an owner of a, a team. A lot of these guys with a lot of money, they just want to own sports teams. So if it's just all about sports with him there's definitely nba opportunities in other leagues where he could get involved with with his money it's so great that foley just wanted to own a team and he didn't really care what sport it was <laughs> just he did whatever. pretty well though he got he got pretty fortunate whatever sport league whatever league you guys yeah. got give it to me yeah. i'll be in sure great question Thanks thank much. you the mountain west tournament will be played without fans as will the big west tournament here in las vegas Starting March 1st, you can have as much capacity as 20% uh, in venues for sporting events, but the Mountain West and Big West have said they're not even going to approach that and they will go fanless. Are you surprised at all that conferences have said, uh, hey, we're just going to do no fans when they could possibly make some more money off of it? I guess I'm a little surprised given some, not, not a lot, but some schools have had fans. I think Utah State, we know what happened with Boise State last week. They were able to get fans in. That might be the only two teams, but you're talking about women's and men's team and bringing a lot of people from a lot of places. Um, it's the women's and men's tournament. Uh, that's a lot of athletes, that's a lot of coaches, that's a lot of team personnel. So 
maybe with that kind of you know petri dish in terms of a lot of people in there they didn't also want to add fans there'll be media there um maybe they just felt it was you know not worth it to also bring in 20 percent of fans it's too bad because some schools travel well to that thing and it gets pretty exciting and loud so this will be fascinating you know you and i've been to this tournament for several years it's going to be interesting watching high level those those friday night semis with no one in there i mean that that's going to be very weird so earlier in the show we're talking about the mountain west and potentially losing out on money from their tv partners it is interesting to me that they wouldn't try to have fans because you can make some money if you have fans but i will say from a social responsibility standpoint it's the right call because sure if you're hosting a conference tournament and you're trying to have fans, what you're basically saying is, okay, we're hoping people travel from Wyoming, Colorado, right, Utah, right. Idaho, California, New Mexico. All of you guys, please come to one location and then leave after a week. That's not a great idea during a pandemic. Right. So from a social responsibility standpoint, it's the right call. I am a little surprised though, because I figured they'd be trying to find money any way that they can. How much does this improve UNLV's chances? Uh, well, they never win in this tournament anyway, so I don't no, know if it matters at all. You won't have people cheering against you in terms of other teams, I guess. <laughs> Aren't um, they supposed to have the advantage being in Well, <laughs> they're supposed to have the advantage for many years now, so but that hasn't really worked out. That's a great, great question. Devontae Smith says Mac Jones is better than Tua Tunga Viola. This is from Albert Breer, who wrote... Maybe the most interesting anecdote I could possibly give you on Mac Jones from that week in Mobile comes from his Heisman Trophy winning receiver, Devontae Smith. One team asked Smith point blank, Tua or Mac Jones? The question was barely finished before Smith answered Mac Jones. He was bold and definitive about it. So if you're the Dolphins and Devontae Smith, who played with Tua and played with Mac Jones, is sitting here saying Mac Jones is significantly better than Tua, are you considering drafting a quarterback at number three overall? Well, first, I have to believe the report. I, I like how it ends as I heard it. So, you know, um, point blank could have been just, well, I'll discuss both of them. And this is what the one guy can do. and The other guy can do. Who knows what, how he answered and how, you know, if it was barely asked and he's already yelling Mac Jones. Um, I, I think I would draft if it's Devonta Smith um, and that's who you want, then I would draft him and maybe... I don't know. Maybe he reunites with two, and next month he thinks two is better. But I, I wouldn't make this jump to where I'm drafting Mac Jones or, or anything like that. Number three overall, they, I would get two a big time receiver, um, and and you know hope that there's a relationship there that's not you know stained. I, I've also seen where they've talked about reuniting together, and you know how fun that would be. So didn't put too much into this. If I were the Dolphins, I would fire my scouting department and just listen to Devonte Smith. He, whatever he says goes. That's where we're picking. That's what we're going with. Whoever Devontae Smith played with and thought was good, he's in. Next question. Raiders cornerback Kima Sivaran was arrested in Houston. Uh, Sivaran was pulled over for street racing. He then apparently drove away from police and was eventually arrested for evading uh, arrest or evading the police, I should say. Uh, this is the same player. That was with the Seahawks in training camp. Tried to sneak a girl into their hotel room by dressing her up in team gear. Got caught, got cut, and the Raiders uh, signed yeah. him to the practice squad during the season. So I don't think Kamas Sibirand will be playing for the Raiders or any mm. NFL team in the near future. I mean, we know no, he's smart. 
<laughs> I mean, no, he never played it down for the Raiders. Um, I think he has other interests in his life than playing in the NFL because he keeps doing weird and dumb stuff like this. So, no, I don't think he'll play for the Raiders. And, it, yeah, look, look, he hasn't been on the field, so we're not talking about a guy that anyone really thinks is a great player. This is not what you want to bring on as a team in terms of headaches. Why would you do that? If, you know, if he's an all-pro player, oh, you know, he was, you know, come on, got out of control, and, he, you know, he's supposed to be going 80, but he went 90. We're okay with that. You know, this guy has never done anything. So this is this, the Raiders have a lot of important decisions to make. Moving on from Kamas Sibirand is not one of them. <laughs> well, he's a competitor. Funny? He is a competitor. Um, Even when he's driving. The Raiders keep bringing on these headaches, though. Like, we're talking about since Gruden's been here, Vontez Burfitt comes over. Richie Incognito worked out, but Richie Incognito doesn't ex- exactly have a great pass. Antonio Brown, like, they keep bringing over these uh, yeah. headaches, these problems, and not many of them work out for them. No, Incognito, I'm trying to think the others. I'm trying to think uh, he'd be the only one, Waller. right? I mean, uh, who? Waller. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I mean, that's he he'd been suspended. He'd had issues, obviously. We knew about his issues, so that's. I mean, if you're going to include Waller on it, he's by far the, the you know the most success story in terms of bringing on a guy who's had past issues. Um, but not many have. Uh, but if we're going to include Waller, definitely he's worked out. I was wait. I was waiting for Tyler to like strike me down on the Waller point, but all right. Yeah, I mean, no, he did. Look, he had issues. Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's a good contribution to the show, Jared. Congratulations. Jared did a great job all day. <laughs> Next question. The Lakers are interested in trading for P.J. Tucker, as are Milwaukee, Miami, and Brooklyn, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. P.J. Tucker's on an expiring deal, so it's a an easier contract to trade. But what was interesting about the report is that the uh, Rockets apparently – would not want a pick back. They would want a player back to put into their lineup. Uh, so I don't know how that deal gets done because if you're the Lakers or the Nets or Miami or Milwaukee, you're having to give up a player that presumably has some value if the Rockets want him back. Yeah, I wouldn't give up a player. Uh, I think the Lakers are still, you know, it's like Jamison said the other day. I mean, people get, I think people get a little over concerned they've lost three straight i think this is just a playoff team and if you know if anthony davis is back they'll be fine so i don't know if they i would i wouldn't give up a player it's it's you know what pj tucker's 35 well let me ask you this because they they uh they cut cousins uh, i think this morning um you have a choice on one of the two to sign who do you sign um i love pj tucker but how good is DeMarcus Cousins? Because it feels I, like... That body if, at that age with all his stuff? Because it, it feels like DeMarcus Cousins for like the last four years has been this low-risk, high-reward type of signing that teams make. And you're like, okay, he was extremely productive in Sacramento. If you can get him back close to that level, he's going to be awesome. But we haven't seen that. So I think I'd say P.J. Tucker because I know what role he can bring. Uh, but DeMarcus Cousins has, I guess, more upside. The thing I love about P.J. Tucker is that the Rockets last year made him play center, and he's like 6'6", and it was like, yeah, we're not going to play with a real center, P.J. Go guard Anthony Davis for us. That'll work out well. Wasn't he, for a team that gets, you know, lauded in in terms of criticized in the last several years for its defense, wasn't he one of their better defensive players? Yeah, no, I mean, he was. was P.J. Tucker is a, a solid defensive player that, 
With the Rockets, his role was, all right, either set a screen for James Harden or stand in the corner and catch and knock down the threes, and he was good at that role. What's going to be funny is if he ends up in Brooklyn with James Harden again, and the Nets say, huh, we don't need DeAndre Jordan. We got P.J. Tucker to play center now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm hoping for. That's now officially what I'm cheering for, is P.J. Tucker playing center in the playoffs for the Nets. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Raiders and the possibility of Derek Carr getting a contract extension William Hill is giving you a free 50 bucks to bet when you sign up for a new mobile sports account. Use the promo code GET50, that is G-E-T-5-0, and then when you make a minimum of $50 in sports bet, you'll get a free 50 bucks in your account from William Hill. You get a free $50, and you can place all your bets straight from your phone. It's bet 50, get 50 from William Hill. Just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit WilliamHill.us. You know, of my career, athletically, physically, mentally, Um, in the same system, so it's exciting. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. And Goats is going to join us at 8.30. But now we get to talk about Derek Carr, because who's ready to extend Derek Carr? We don't have any actual reports of Derek Carr getting an extension but spot track which uh you should follow or you should head to if you're looking for any uh salary information on nfl players uh they gave a projection yesterday basically what Derek carr's next contract would look like if the raiders were to extend him and their projections based off similar quarterbacks recent contracts you're looking at like kirk cousins matt stafford ryan Tannehill, things like that and their projection was that Derek carr would get a five-year deal worth $160 million. That would work out to $32 million on a per-year basis. Derek Carr has two years left on his deal this year and next year. Um, the Raiders could move on from him. The dead cap hit is very small. I think it's $2.5 million this season if they were to move on from him. Uh, so if you're the Raiders, Derek Carr wants an extension. You giving him five years, $160 million? I'm not giving it to him at this point, and I'll go back to Dak Prescott. I don't know what two years left, and again, we've talked over and over, we've beaten it down, I understand that they're horrible defensively, but hasn't won a playoff game. The only time they've been in the playoffs, not his fault, he got hurt, so he didn't get to start the game, I get that. But I, I, I don't know why with two years left that you'd have to extend him now. You hold the leverage, he's got two years left. Again, is it a risk that you know he gets upset? We talked about this earlier. I think he likes it here, I think he likes playing for the Raiders, you can't tell me that if you don't extend him now, a year from now with the year left, you get in that 32 range or whatever it would be. Um, I guess the only issue is, and I, I'm just not a believer in this, I'll ask you this because I saw this yesterday, that there was a report that you extend him now before the market is set with other guys, whether it be Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and others. But again, to me, to get in that range, you've had to do something. And I think he's going to go into his eighth year as the starter next year, assuming they've ke- they keep him, and they haven't won a playoff game, and you have two years left on a deal. I don't know why you'd extend him at this point. I, I just don't. I nothing against him. I think he's a good quarterback. You know, we talked about what's he top twelve or whatever. Nothing against him personally, but if it's a business decision, I don't know why you'd extend him at this point. I, I just can't. I nothing. I just don't. With two years left, what's the point? So the question on Carr is, and I wouldn't extend him now either. I you, know, you wait till next offseason at the earliest to do it. But the, the question on this is basically, 
do you think it's smart to give a quarterback that is somewhere between six and 15th best quarterback in the NFL, a big contract? And that's what this would be because Derek Carr, he's a top 15 quarterback. He's around the 10th best quarterback in the league, but I don't think anybody thinks that Derek Carr is ever going to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. So can you win a Super Bowl if you have the eighth best quarterback and you're paying him 30, 35, $40 million a year? Basically, can you win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan making 35, $40 million a year? Because you can win with those quarterbacks. You absolutely can win a Super Bowl with those quarterbacks, but the rest of the team has to be really good. And if you're spending 30, yeah. 35, 40 million on one of those quarterbacks, it makes it a lot harder to yeah. make the rest of your team good because there's so much money invested in the quarterback when the alternative is you go with a rookie quarterback that you pay $5 million. And the rookie quarterback, there's risk there because you could draft a rookie who sucks and now you've sunk your team, but you could also draft a rookie who's average. You could draft Justin Herbert and you could be paying Justin Herbert four or $5 million a year instead of Derek Carr, 32, 35 million. You've got 30 more million dollars to spend on yeah. the rest of your team. The and rest this of your just team in, is going to be good. This just in, spend the 30 on your defense <laughs> and, no, no. And, and get better that way. But no, you, again, I, I, I'm with you on the extension and it really has nothing to do with him. That kind of sounds crazy. It's more like you're saying what they need help elsewhere. And you know, everything's about leverage in negotiations, right? Who has the most leverage? They have all the leverage right now. He's got two years left. He doesn't have a year left. This isn't Prescott where if you tag him, you might lose the next year or something like that. You have two years left on this deal. I don't get extending him. Now, you might like him. They obviously like him. Uh, if you believe their reports, Indianapolis called on him. It was a hard no. We're not moving him. So, and I also think there's a whole, it'll be his fourth year with Gruden. And I do believe Gruden believes the more people are with him, the better they'll be. But I, I don't see the upside in them extending him. I mean, they if they extend him now, Obviously, he's the quarterback for the future, and he's going to be the quarterback here for a long time. But they just believe in him at a level to where I don't know how you can believe in him in that level where you've never been to the playoffs. You know, he's never won a playoff game. Yeah. I, that, I, I, I mean, I just don't get that. That's the other part of extending Derek Carr is if you're John Gruden, you got a 10-year deal. You've been in it for three years. Derek Carr's been your quarterback all three years. If you're giving him an extension that's five years or whatever it would be, you're basically saying Derek Carr is my quarterback for my entire 10 Oh, yes. Contract. Yes, absolutely. Is what you're saying. So does John Gruden want to commit to be to Derek Carr being his quarterback for the entire 10 years when they haven't actually had on-field success, regardless of whose fault it is that they haven't had on-field success? So that's the other part of this is does Gruden want to commit to Carr or does Gruden look around and say, I got to find a way to beat Patrick Mahomes and... I don't know if Derek Carr can do that for a full season. I don't know if we can catch him with uh, Derek Carr. I need to try to find a rookie that I can turn into Patrick Mahomes or at least close to Patrick Mahomes. Well, That's the other part of this is what does Gruden feel about being connected to Carr for this entire 10-year deal? Yeah, and I also think you have to look at – we. I don't know if we got this question before I, before I left for Tahoe. I'm not sure. Maybe you and Adam talked about it. Um, look, it's very close, and, and not just yet. Because, again, I, I'll go back to agreeing with you. He's a top-10 quarterback. I get that. I think he's a very good quarterback. But how close are we, and I'm talking about signing him to a five-year deal, that Derek Carr is the third-best quarterback in the, in the, in the division? I mean, I, how close is Justin Herbert to him? I, I don't know. I'm not going to you know, answer that fully because he's only been one year. But if you're going to sign Derek Carr to you know, five years 
and you look down the road and say, boy, he could be the third best quarterback in this division, given he's not better than Mahomes, and we saw what Herbert did last year. Is that really smart to give him that much money? Oh, yeah. Car, right now, Carr is Carr's better than Herbert right now. Yeah, right now, but you're talking five years down the road. Right. Yeah, Herbert. If Herbert gets better, Justin Herbert's going to be the second-best quarterback in this division. And if you're the Raiders, all of a sudden you're talking about looking up at Mahomes and Herbert and being the third-best quarterback as long as Denver doesn't trade for Deshaun Watson or something right. like that. Um, yeah, that that's a problem, too. And the, the, the other issue right now, if you're comparing to the Chargers, is Justin Herbert's that rookie quarterback. He's on that rookie contract. So his cap hit is significantly lower. So they're going to have, and granted, right now, Derek Carr's cap hit's like $22 million for this upcoming right. season. So Carr's cap hit isn't big. It's not a great value, but it's not a it's not a bad contract by any means. But if you were to give Derek Carr that extension and that big contract, now all of a sudden, oh, we're paying our quarterback $32, 35000000 million. And the Chargers are paying Justin Herbert five? Like, you're, yeah. you're losing the value at the quarterback position when you do that. And that's sort of, that's what the issue is. Is how, like, is Derek Carr, is a quarterback who's between 6 and 15, are they worth $30 million more than your average rookie quarterback? And the answer is probably no. Because your average rookie quarterback can, you, can give you some production, or quarterback on a rookie contract, however you want to phrase that, can give you some production, not going to be as good as Carr, but Carr's not $30 million better than whatever your average rookie quarterback is. So that's the decision you have to make because Carr's not good enough. He's not a top five quarterback that, you know, any team he's on is a playoff contender. He's not. There's got to be a good defense. There's got to be good players around him. So you're almost better off going with a worse quarterback who's much, much cheaper. Yeah, and I'll say this. I mean, I think his production and what he's done – um, I think he's good value at 20. Now that's comparing him to his salary to a lot of other salaries at the quarterback position. Guys, I think he's better than who make a lot more. So I, I think the 20 million cap it is fine for what he can give you. Uh, 30 plus for that defense, I don't think it's fine. Now, again, a year from now, we're talking about Dak Prescott. A year from now, if he takes him to the playoffs and maybe wins a game, okay. I mean, you know, he's proves himself. He gets him to the playoffs. That's fine. But not right now. I, I'm a little surprised. You never know where these reports come from either, whether, whether agents are floating things. That, that's usually how this happens. It's usually an agent wants an extension for his guy, so he floats things. And people run with it, and the narrative goes out that they're, they're about to extend him. I don't believe they're about to. I might be completely wrong, and tomorrow we're talking about him because they announced today they extended him. I just don't see the upside in doing it now I, I, for them. I mean, obviously there's an upside for him if he gets the money. Good for him. But for the team and the franchise, I don't see the upside doing it right now. All right, coming up next, Ben Gotts joins the show to break down the Golden Knights and Avalanche. I mean, obviously the excitement of of the game this morning. Uh, I think the disappointment uh, with our first period as a team, I didn't like how we played. Um, You know, and then I I thought we uh, reset and came out and and played two pretty hard periods here uh, tonight. You know, unfortunately, we were chasing the game, you know, right from the drop of the puck this morning. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats or Gots or Gets. Did you get Gets during the press conferences over the weekend? I got guessed, which is usually 
it's very far down the list of options that I end up hearing. I've said it multiple times. I have been a got by people that don't know me my whole life. They, I always have to tell people, hey, it's like the animal. Famously, when I was announced as homecoming king in high school, it was as Ben Gotts. And so all of a sudden have Ben Gotts pop up on a, a Zoom call after a, a national outdoor game was an interesting experience for yours, truly. You are how, how do they get the <laughs> stranger? Strange things happen sometimes in this world. I just can't explain uh, them. But how did hold on, how did you get voted homecoming king? But they not know how to pronounce your name. You know, I wish I had the answers to these questions. I, I haven't <laughs> gone back to Grill Eastridge High School in uh, lovely Woodbury, Minnesota, which has a bachelor finalist on it. By the way, I haven't watched last night's episode yet. But go, Michelle, way to represent Woodbury. <laughs> uh, but I, I haven't received the answers to these questions yet. Uh, well, you, you've always got those reunions in the coming years where you can make a statement. Exactly. I'm still. I, we didn't have a five year reunion actually, so I guess I have to wait to, for the ten year to finally air my grievances. <laughs> so, then uh, uh, gets with us here. Uh, what did you make of last night's game? What did you make of Pete DeBoer saying we had to? prove we can play with the Colorado Avalanche and then them proving it by winning 3 nothing. Yeah, I don't know. It's so weird, right? Because certainly I think switching up the lines and how the Golden Knights played uh, was interesting, especially hearing that comment about how they wanted to go out and make a statement. But at the same time, Marc-Andre Fleury just basically went out and said, I'm not going to let us lose this game. So it's hard to have a lot of other takeaways other than that when you look at the grand scheme of things. When your goaltender plays like that, that kind of has to be your main takeaway. But I did think the Knights put together uh, a much more complete effort than they had their previous games against the Avalanche. There's always a big period that was a letdown for them in their previous games. And in this one, there really wasn't that. You could argue that the third period was kind of that letdown period, but they were up 3 nothing, and so naturally you kind of sit on the lead a little bit when that happens. It was the first uh, time anyone had been up that much in this series. Previously, the Avalanche only had a two-goal lead for like a minute this series, and that was in the outdoor game. So we were used to things being really tight between these two teams. So the fact that the Knights were finally able to kind of open things up and get a big lead was certainly interesting. And I thought, obviously, it was fascinating that DeBoer switched up those line combinations. The top six had basically stayed together all year, and I thought he got some interesting results out of that. I think the depth throughout the lineup was a little bit better last night. That quote-unquote third line with Jonathan Marcheseau, William Carlson, and Nicholas Waugh I thought was really effective, and I'll be interested to see you know how much they keep some of what they got out of that moving forward. Well, let me ask you this, because we started off the show in this, and you know they're superstitious. Coach is superstitious, so he won 3-0 in Colorado, so obviously worked out. No matter if it was flurry or the lines really meant that much. Uh, so our guess is they'll stay with that. But as bad as the Honda division is in places, you know, and this is how you beat Colorado, could you see him just staying with this saying, okay, let's just make these lines as chemistry well as possible because if this is going to beat them, this is what we need because we're going to pretty much beat everyone else. Right. I mean, the thing about line combinations is, of course, never going to stay the same forever. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have guys going in and out. And in many ways, the Knights have been really fortunate that they hadn't had to alter that top six, uh, you know, not only by choice, but by necessity 
all season. So something at some point is going to happen where they're going to have to remix them up anyway, or they're going to go through a stretch of games here at some point where they struggle to score five on five again, especially with how much this schedule picks up after they play the Sharks on Thursday, their final 40 games are happening over 73 days. So there's just going to be nights where they're not going to have it moving forward. And then DeBoer will probably, you know, shake up the lines just to try to do something to spark the team. But, you know, I'll be interested to see how long they end up keeping with these combinations. Like I said, one thing that I liked about what they did last night is I think it provided a little bit more depth throughout the lineup where that quote unquote third line was stronger than it had been previously. Uh, But as you mentioned, Ed, I don't think the Knights really need a strong third line to defeat a lot of the teams that they're going to be playing moving forward. That's not necessarily going to be a necessity against the Sharks or the Ducks, who are the next two teams on their schedule. Against, you know, the Wild, Blues, and Avalanche, maybe, but I don't know if that'll, you know, necessitate them sticking with these specific combinations for that long. Uh, Unless you have uh, breaking news for us, nobody knows what's up with Robin Leonard. Uh, If he's going to miss some more time, if he's out a significant period of time from now, uh, would Oscar Dansk ever play? I mean, he's going to have to at some point just because uh, if this, you know, turns into a long-term situation, at some point, Marc-Andre Fleury's workload is going to become a talking point. They've honestly been kind of fortunate that in this stretch, they've had kind of their, you know, two more lengthy off stretches in this part. They had, of course, three straight days off between uh, last Tuesday's game and then the outdoor game on Saturday. They have two straight days off now before they play the Sharks on Thursday. That's done now. They don't have two consecutive days off for the rest of the regular season. It is go, 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 go. Almost all of their back-to-backs, of course, are in this stretch. They've only had one so far this season. I believe they have nine totals. That means eight times they're playing twice consecutively. And, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, at 36 years of age, as remarkable as he has been so far this season, cannot handle that. So at some point, if it stretches into, you know, kind of the following week where we're talking about they've got back-to-backs on two consecutive weekends, the 5th and the 6th and the 12th and the 13th of March, if Robin Leonard isn't back, they're going to have to play Oscar Donsk in those games, whether they like it or not, because otherwise they're just going to run Fleury into the ground for sure. We we just don't want it to happen because we want Oscar Donks to never play for two straight years but still be the backup. Because as you told us the last time you're on, I think he last played a game in March and he still hasn't played. So it would be fascinating if he was just a backup and never played. I mean, he's had a sweet gig for a lot of this season. I and mean, we used to joke during training camp and the early part of the season when both goalies were there. I mean, the guy was showing up like halfway through practice. They really didn't need a third goalie until either one of Marc-Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard said, hey, I'm good for the day. And so he just gets to show up, hang out on the bench, you know, high-five a few guys, take some laps, and, you know, stop a few shots. It's a good gig when you can get it. But obviously now at some point he might actually have to work. And, you know, it's too bad. So we have a long way to go before the playoffs actually get here. But since Leonard's been out and since Flurry's been so good this year, if you were saying right now, I mean, Flurry's got to be the favorite to be the starter for this team in the playoffs, right? Oh, no question. I mean, at this point, and we are still very early in the season, I mean, Fleury is one of the favorites for the Vezina Trophy at this point. I mean, he's second 
in the league in save percentage. He's second in the league in uh, goals against average among goalies that have at least one start. He's first in goals saved above average in all situations, according to natural Statric. I mean, the dude has just played as well as any goaltender in the NHL. And, of course, he famously has not been a Vesna Trophy finalist his entire career to this point. And it certainly seems that even in his 17th NHL season, he's very intent on changing that. I mean, now, obviously, whether he can keep it up is, of course, a much larger question, especially, you know, as we just talked about with the workload concerns moving forward, because Pete DeBoer even mentioned earlier this year that he thought kind of staggering Flurry's workload a little bit more was a factor in how well he was playing. But at this point, obviously, like I said, he is, you know, not only probably the number one goalie for this team, but uh, might be the number one goalie in the entire league. So, of course, uh, you're not taking that guy out of the net right now. So, do they trade one of them? Because they'd be a much better team in the playoffs if they had five or seven million more to spend on their skaters. Do you think they trade one of these goalies? Not during the regular season, because obviously it's just such a huge insurance policy that you don't want to you know, trade one of those guys away and then all of a sudden be missing that if something were to happen to one of those guys. Uh, we've already seen it this year. I mean, imagine what would have happened to the Knights if they had traded Marc-Andre Fleury during the offseason and then all of a sudden this popped up with Robin Leonard. And Oscar Dansk was the guy right now for all four games against the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, maybe they obviously could have signed somebody else. But having that insurance policy in that is huge for a contending team. And I don't the Knights giving that up to try to chase something else just because while only one of those two guys can play during the playoffs, you're going to be so, so mad at yourself if you give one of those guys up and then something happens to the one that you do keep because then your season ultimately might just be going down the drain. And that's obviously was the impetus for them adding Robin Leonard in the first place is that they were worried if something happened to Marc-Andre Fleury last year, they weren't going to be able to make a cup run with Malcolm Subban. So it's obviously not an ideal cap situation to have $12 million tied up in those two guys. The Knights would obviously like that number to be lower, but they can make it work this year, and then they'll probably, I would assume, revisit things in the offseason, even though they won't necessarily be forced into making a decision. I would guess they're going to explore a lot of options once they get there. But for now, I think they're going to ride this out and hope that this tandem will give them extra security into a playoff run. What, um, and we've talked a little bit about it, but as you sat back and you watched four games and you think that, you know, they have four more together and odds are they would face each other in the playoffs uh, first or second round. What are a few things you took away that should concern the Vegas Golden Knights if this if everyone's healthy and everyone's back and these are the two teams that fight it out. Yeah, so one is obviously how just how fast the Avalanche are. The Knights have obviously been one of the faster teams in the NHL since they've entered the league, but the Avalanche are just so quick and so speedy and they get up on you in transition so fast. Not only with their forwards, but all of those defensemen can skate. I mean, Kale McCarr is as smooth as they come. They've got so many good puck movers on the back end, which helps those forwards use their speed effectively. And so that's something that the Knights really have to be cognizant of every single time they're on the ice because they can burn you so, so quickly. And the other thing that really stuck out to me is just how deep those avalanche are. 
They had Gabriel Landeskog, their captain, on the third line the past two games. He was coming off uh, a lengthy absence. But I mean, that third line with him on it might be one of the best in the NHL. And then, of course, they've got former Knight Pierre-Edouard Belmar on their fourth line. And I thought that line flashed a number of times throughout this series. So the Avalanche are fast. They're deep. I think their goaltending is ironically underrated because I think people – we're discounting Philip Grubauer a lot entering the season, but you know he's been only a half step worse than Marc Andre Fleury this year. It obviously helps when you have the talent in front of you that he does. He's been really outstanding in net. So that's a team that is going to pose a lot of challenges if they end up facing each other in the playoffs. Now, because the series ended up two-two, I don't have a great sense of who would ultimately emerge victorious if they were to play each other seven times. Hockey's a funny game. Some weird things can happen. Some randomness can be involved. But I didn't know I would want to see it, and I hope that's ultimately what we do get later on in the postseason. Well, he has been goats or gets or gots or guts. We'll get there eventually. Uh, He's the homecoming king. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ben. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. No problem. See you. All right, coming up next, Ed, our uh, sharp yesterday, picked an Australian A-League game. Oh, why wouldn't he? Yes, of course. So find out next if he won it or not. We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Joining us now is Luke Perdandy, and Luke, over the weekend, saw uh, that you guys sold a Joel Embiid MVP ticket, and I'm curious, the Lakers are on a bit of a losing streak now. What does that MVP market look like at PropSwap? Yeah, I mean, Joe was 40-1 to 1 odds in December to win the NBA MVP, uh, and he's all the way down to 3-1 to 1 in some books. Um, so that's been a really nice ticket to sell on top swap. You know, to your point, LeBron is still in the driver's seat for that award, but with the Anthony Davis injury, you know, no one really knows how long that's going to last. Um, there's kind of differing opinions. Is that better for LeBron? Is that worse for LeBron? Um, I would probably be in the camp of it's, it's a little bit worse. It just makes his stat line look a little bit um, less enticing. Now, he hasn't won an MVP. People don't know this. He hasn't won an MVP in seven years, so uh, which is incredible because he's obviously the best player. Um, so it's if I was if I had a forty to one MVP ticket, I would be taking ten times my money um, by being able to sell that right now in you know the third week of February. Uh, this is you know we it was a great game between Michigan and Ohio State. You know. Uh, tempers flared everything uh but michigan now you know we're talking about juan howard probably coach of the year no one expected this i'm reading on your site uh prop swap there's a better of 800 to win 100,000 trying to move it how how much is he trying to move it for and, and, and does this happen where's michigan on all your tickets yeah so uh that's clearly the ticket of the year so far for college basketball that we've seen it would pay over 100 grand if Michigan wins, he's got it posted at odds of plus 675. And that's Jeez. really the best price in the country. I know Circa is around, uh, I think they're like 650. Um, but like DraftKings, for example, DraftKings is at plus a 450 Michigan. So, you know, props off that this guy is trying to post, trying to sell it at plus 675. 
Um, so he's he's being extremely reasonable with the ticket. And to your point, you know, he bet eight hundred dollars in December when Michigan was a hundred and twenty five to one odds. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and you know, he's trying to sell for thirteen grand uh, three weeks out from the tournament. Oh, the NCAA tournament. That's, That's going to be a gonna fun be time. Amazing. Yeah. That is going to be fun. Hopefully we actually get it this year. He is Luke Perk Dandy from PropSwap. Luke, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks, Thanks Luke. Bye. That, uh, boy, $800 ticket to win over hundred grand. It's phenomenal. We've seen it for thirteen yeah. grand. That That's amazing. It's a hell of a bet. Yeah, if you saw them the other day, I mean, I, I don't have 13000 I don't know if you do, but there's going to be someone, if they watched them the other day, they said, you know, I've got enough money to where, yeah, I'll take the chance of winning 100000 It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Well, it wasn't because of his NBA pick, because his NBA pick did not work out very well. But Tom is back because Tom gave us an Australian A-League pick as a backup, and Melbourne City took care of Sydney FC. We're all pumped about that. Uh, So you're back, Tom, for day two. Where would you like to go? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stretch it here a little bit. I'm gonna go college basketball. I'm gonna pick St. John's to cover against Villanova. Oh, boy. All right. Let's find this one here for you. So, St. John's, let's see. There is a minus 12, so we will give you – oh, no, I see an 11. So, we'll give you St. John's uh, plus uh, – oh, I'm doing this backwards. Plus 12.5 for St. John's. I'll stop blabbling. Plus 12.5 for St. John's is what you get. I'll take that. I'll take that. Nice Big East rivalry. Yes, there you go. All, All right. right, so plus 12.5 for St. John's. Uh, hopefully they'll cover that. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, Tom. Thanks, All righty. Thanks, Tyler. All there right. you go. So, uh, yes, he gave us an NBA pick, but then uh, backed it up with a backup pick for the Australian A-League. So, of wow. course, we let that fly. Sure, why so, not? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Melbourne City took care of uh, Sydney FC. Big, big, big uh, result for our Western Sydney Wanderers to stay ahead of sydney fc are are Um, they still our team they still our team they're still our team ed they're still our team and they're still ahead of sydney still ahead of our biggest rivals uh but i've got a i've got a quote for you ed uh here we go you got to tell me how you feel about this because it it sounds like sounds like the 2020 world series deserves a little bit of an an asterisk because walker bueller of the dodgers he said this i talked to somebody about it the other day where last year the 60 games and all the stuff going on in the world. We really didn't have that big kind of parade celebration kind of deal. So in some ways you feel like we kind of half won the thing. Sounds like an asterisk title to me, Ed. Tyler, when you're the best, you need motivation. And this is obviously, I mean, there's so much better than everyone else. Uh, they're sitting around spring training, looking at these numbers in the books and what's it up to 164 wins, uh, 181 wins, uh, which, which is, which is, which is, which is uh, d- difficult to do in baseball. Um, but this is him trying to motivate guys. Uh, keep focused. Don't worry about Tatis getting all that money and uh, just throw it out there that uh, maybe it's half a title. Now you got to win a full one. So I don't have a problem with Walker saying that. I mean, you, you know, also beat the Rays, so it is sort of like half a title. That's <laughs> true. That is true. It was the Rays of all teams. You know, Ed, when you look back in, in the last five years or so of baseball history, 
there's probably not a World Series that deserves an asterisk more than the 2020 World Series. Whoa, 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 cheater. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to say last year was a little better than banging on the drums and completely cheating to the World Series. So I think there's more asterisks just than last year in the last five years. No, nope. Only, <laughs> no, on. listen, listen, right. no, no Astros players have come out and said they only half won the thing. That's a yeah. dodge well, no. saying that. They didn't even come out. I don't, did they even come out and say they're cheating? I still remember that weird press conference where the owner was just a complete lunatic, uh, not apologizing for anything. So no, they they have not taken any kind of blame. You are right about that. There is nothing to apologize for. Okay. <laughs> just better at cheating than everybody else in baseball. <laughs> Why are we going to apologize? Because you guys didn't figure out this complex system of banging yeah. on a trash can. Yeah. We so, want it straight up. We want it straight up. Straight up in an asterisk season, Ed. Asterisk. Put it the Dodgers. They've got one World Series since what, 89? And it's only 88. half of a World 88, sorry. 88. Sorry. And it's only half of a World Series. That's all it is. You have well, point we're getting five. full rings, I tell you that. Those rings will be beautiful. <laughs> Can't wait to see them. You won't see them, Ed, because it's a half World Series. What if it's a what if it's a half ring and there's oh, no diamonds on one side but diamonds on the other side? That's what they deserve. Fake title. <laughs>